we're going to preach the sermon for today. It's uh, 10.37. We're probably going to... You know, uh, some people say that the sermon should be shorter during live stream services, but I don't believe that because I believe that you have nowhere to go. Uh, <laughs> you're not waiting to go to an event. You're not waiting to go somewhere. And so just settle into your nice cushy couch and armchair. This sermon's probably going to be about 40 to 45 minutes. Um, again, Subscribe on YouTube, like the video, comment on all platforms that you're on, share the sermon. Let's get the word out uh, and let's change the world. All right, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, I pray right now, supernaturally, that people that are watching this video would, would learn from this sermon, God. I pray for those uh, people that are not believers in you, that this message would speak directly to their hearts, God. I pray for a spirit of encouragement to come upon your people today, God. I pray that this message would change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 14. Uh, for those of you that are just joining us, this is what we do. We preach through the Bible. Um, I'm actually looking ahead and I actually think that next week we'll be able to preach from 2 Samuel for um, Easter as well. We'll see how it goes. Uh, maybe God knows what he's doing. So 2 Samuel chapter 14, starting in verse 1. We're going to be in verses 1 through 24. You can follow along in your Bibles, your apps, New King James Version. So Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was concerned about Absalom. And Joab sent to Tekoa and brought from there a wise woman and said to her, Please pretend to be a, mourn a mourner and put on mourning apparel. Do not anoint yourself with oil, but act like a woman who has been mourning a long time for the dead. Go to the king and speak to him in this manner. So Joab put the words in her mouth. And when the woman of Tekoa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, Help, O king. She's speaking to King David here. And the king said to her, What troubles you? And she answered, Indeed, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Now your maidservant has two, had two sons, and the two fought with each other in the field, and there was no one to part them. But the one struck the other and killed him. And now the whole family has risen up against your maidservant. And they said, Deliver him who struck his brother, that we may execute him for the life of his brother whom he killed. And we will destroy the heir also. So they would extinguish the ember that is left and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the earth. Then the king said to the woman, go to your house. I will give orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekoa said to the king, my lord, O king, let the inequity be on me in my father's house and the king and his throne be guiltless. So the king said, whoever says anything to you, bring him to me and he shall not touch you anymore. Then she said, please let the king remember the Lord your God and do not permit the avenger of blood to destroy any more lest they destroy my son. And he said, as the Lord lives, not one hair on your son shall fall to the ground. Therefore, the woman said, please let your maidservant speak another word to the Lord, the king, to my Lord, the king. And he said, say on. So the woman said, when, when they have, excuse me, why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty and that the king does not bring his banished one home again. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground. There's the name of the sermon, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. Now, therefore, I have come to speak of this thing to my Lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. And, and your maidservant said, I will now speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his maidservant. 
For the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together from the inheritance of God. Your maidservant said, the word of my Lord, the king will now be comforting for as the angel of God, so is the Lord, the king in discerning good and evil. And may the Lord, your God be with you. Whew. Then the king answered and said to the woman, please do not hide from me anything that I ask you. And the woman said, please let, let my Lord, the king speak. So the king said, is the hand of Joab with you in all this? And, it, and the woman answered and said, as you live, my Lord, the king, no one can turn to the right hand or the left from anything. The Lord, the king has spoken for your servant, Joab commanded me and put all these words in the mouth of your maidservant to bring about this change of affairs. Your servant, Joab has done this thing, but my Lord is wise according to the wisdom of the angel of God to know everything that is in the earth. And the king said to Joab, all right, I've granted this thing. Go therefore and bring back the young man, Absalom. Then Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, today your servant knows that I have found favor inside of my lord, the king, uh, my lord, O king, and that the king has fulfilled the request of a servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, let him return to his own house, but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but did not see the king's face. Whew. Some of you might be asking and saying, why does he read such a large portion of scripture? Well, I, if we're going to preach scripture, I think we should read scripture. And, and I think it's important to establish that we as people of God read scripture publicly. Um, and then we preach from it. We're not going to always preach line by line. We're going to preach thought by thought. And so I think it's good to see the whole entire, uh, the whole entire scripture. Now, this is an interesting part of scripture and it always has to do with context. And that's why it's so important that you continually, uh, stay up to date on the sermons so that you remember the context of what we talked about last week. Last week, we uh, talked about Absalom and how Absalom had killed his brother Amnon. And so that is why now this is following up. And so you've got David, uh, you've got the woman of Tekoa, you've got Joab, and you've got Absalom. And so what happens is, is that uh, Joab sees that the king is uh, upset because he's separated from his son Absalom. And so he devises this plan and he goes to this woman from Tekoa and says, why don't you go and you tell him this, uh, pretend that you're sad because your own son has died, but make this story kind of seem like it's the same story of what happened to David. And let's see if he picks up what you're talking about so that David will let Absalom come back and be with David. And so this woman listens to Joab. And so she goes and she pretends, Hey, I'm in mourning. My two sons got in a fight and one of them, uh, one of them got into a, uh, one of them killed the other one. And so now the other one is in danger of his life. And it's the exact same story. What's happening with David and Absalom, but David doesn't really pick up on it. And so she, uh, he said, David says to the woman of Tekoa, like, Hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. And so she kind of says, Hey, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? I, I was kind of lying. That's not the truth. The truth is this story's about you and you are holding your son in contempt and you're not allowing him to come back based on what he did to your son, Amnon. And it's bad. You, you should forgive him and you should welcome him back. And so David says, Hey, did, did Joab put you up to this? It sounds like he put you up to this. And she's like, yeah, yeah, he put me up to this. And so then David, and we'll see next week, uh, he forgives his son. But, but this, this is the moment when David comes to the realization of like, he's, he's the guy in the story and he needs to let his son Absalom come back into his presence. And so uh, in this moment, uh, David agrees to that. And he says, okay, he can come back. 
Well, this is a great story because Joab and the woman from Tekoa worked together to bring reconciliation between David and Absalom. They look at the situation. They say David is the father. Absalom is the son. There's a division between the two of them and they need to be brought together. What can we do to bring these two together? Now, there's one verse in the middle of this story that we're only going to focus on today. And it is a, it is a verse about reconciliation that shows shows so much about the nature and character of God. It shows so much about how God's heart is towards his people. There's some commentators that say that this verse is the most gospel centric verse in the entire Old Testament. And it shows the reality of our spiritual death, of our physical death, and how God wants to give life and do whatever it takes to get people to come to him. Our God will do whatever it takes. Uh, there's a verse that we're going to kind of throw together with this. It's in 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Reality that they get to live forever. This idea that uh, medicine will save me or a doctor will save me or some pill or, or anything else, or even that I can live in such a way with, with my health or, or anything that, that I, I'm going to be able to live a really long life. And, and the reality of it all is that none of us know when we're going to be sent home at all. You could have your gloves and mask on in your car uh, driving and still get in a car wreck. Uh, you, you could still go to bed tonight and still die from something else. There, the, death is still inevitable for every single one of us. But I think that this, this virus and sickness that's going on right now just has really brought the reality of death to many, many people. And, and it's surprising how many people are so, uh, so scared, so afraid of a virus they cannot see, but they're, they, they pay no mind to the reality of when you die, the moment that you die, you have to face God on the other side. Death is real. And then this COVID is staring death and a loss of control to many of you. Many of you. We want to be like uh, uh, David and have a reality in Psalm 39, 13. He said, remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and I am no more. A reality of death. The Bible declares in Hebrews 9, 27, and it is appointed for men to die once but after this, the judgment. Yeah. And water only has usefulness when it's in a vessel. Once it's spilled, it's lost its value. The water metaphor is a life metaphor. You only get one life. So use it well. Use it well. And, and, and again, I, I'm trying to get as much mileage as I can out of this whole quarantine thing. It's one of the things that's so unnerving about being in quarantine is we feel like we're wasting our lives. Yeah. We're able to do what we want to do. And, and you, even the most introverted person, you're probably realizing what a gift it is to be in relationship with people. What a gift it is to have your freedoms. What a gift it is to be able to just go and do what you want to do. But how are you using that life? How are you going to use your life differently once you are free to be able to go and do what you want to do? See, we all are going to die a physical death and we all have died a spiritual death as well. Yeah. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as one man through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. See, the acts of Adam brought spiritual death and physical death to every single one of us. And David has to know this. We're all born into sin because of Adam. Thanks, Adam. Real good job. The woman of Tekoa, and I love this, 
She is using whatever means necessary to get David to think about his mortality, which will hopefully get him in turn to change the way he is living his life. And then what she's challenging him is this, is to offer forgiveness to somebody who is unworthy. To offer somebody, I mean, uh, Absalom had killed uh, Amnon. He's deserving of death. And and the woman of Tekoa is saying, do you want David, would you please just offer forgiveness to someone that's just not deserving? What does it mean to you? Many of you that are watching today are Christian people who have faced your own death and aren't worried about it. But to those of you right now that are scrolling by, whether on YouTube or Facebook or any other medium that are not facing the reality of your death, stop. I don't want you to move. I want you to think for just a moment. You are going to die one day. It could be today. It could be this week. It could be this month. It could be this year. It could be five years from now, 50 years from now. I don't know. But you are going to die. You're going to die. And, and, and that's a, a scary thought for many people to have an idea of that you're going to die. I, for one, am not afraid to die. I'm somewhat afraid of how I'm going to die. <laughs> but I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of facing Jesus. I'm not afraid of my life ending. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned of the means, but uh, the fact of dying doesn't really bother me that much at all. Have you faced the reality of your own death? Are you afraid of death and dying? Do you have no hope? See, if you had Jesus and you had hope, you could declare 1 Corinthians 15, 55, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? You could declare Romans 14, 8, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Later in this message, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear how God is trying to reconcile himself to you in the same way that the woman of Tekoa is trying to reconcile David to his son Absalom. But right now, I just want you to think about and embrace the reality of your death. It's actually quite freeing to to embrace the reality of your death, to just say, you know what? I know I'm going to die one day. I don't know how, um, but it's a foregone conclusion. Every single one of us dies. Every single one of us. I've said it a thousand times. One out of one people die, and 100% of them take nothing with them. Now, many of you know this, and I'll use this as an example. I hate to fly. I absolutely despise getting on a plane. Now, because of what I do for a living, I get invited to go preach places, and uh, sometimes I travel. And, and, I don't, and I don't really talk about it a lot. My wife knows it a lot because I talk to her about it. I, I, ever since I was deployed, I, I just I don't like getting off in planes. Uh, if I'm going to go to a foreign country, if you gave me an, uh, you know, an M16 and 210 rounds, I might do a little bit better going to foreign countries. But I, I, just, I don't like getting on a plane. And so <clears throat> whether it's a, a plane ride to San Diego or it's a plane ride to Africa, whatever it is, the, the way that I have to, the way I have to encapsulate it in my head is, is the reality of my death. I, I have to just tell myself like, I'm, I'm going to die one day and, and maybe it'll be on a plane. And then listen, man, I don't need you all sending me messages about the reality of, uh, oh, well, you know, you have a greater chance of dying in a car wreck till uh, that you have died in a plane crash. I get it, man. It makes no rational sense. But like I said, I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid of the means in which I'm going to die. If I'm going to die in a car wreck, it's fine. Cause it'd be like, Oh my gosh, a car death. What I'm afraid of is the falling out of the sky for five minutes for 35,000 feet with everybody going, ah, 
for like four minutes. That's what scares me. It's not dying that scares me. It's listening to a plane full of screams for three minutes. That would just be beyond me, okay? If it exploded in the air, I'd be completely fine. But if it just slowly drifted to a slow death with, you know, 500 other screaming people, that's what I don't want to have to deal with. Praise God, two plane trips got canceled because of this virus. <laughs> I was supposed to go to Texas two weeks ago, canceled. I was supposed to be in Cali this week, canceled. I'm praising God for it. It's fantastic. Just another time that I don't, I don't have to get on a plane. It's fantastic. So, so what do we do to embrace death, man? We don't give ourselves over to too much sorrow. Don't give yourself over to too much sorrow. It's just not worth it. Second Samuel twelve twenty three. but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. That was back when we were talking about David in, in chapter 12, when his son died, where he was like, he's dead. It's time to move on. It's okay to have sorrow over death, but there's a point where you just, you have to move on. You have to get to a new place and just say like, this is life. People are born and then they die. And some people die early and some people die late. But when somebody dies, it's their time. It just is. You know, and and people say, well, you know, this person died at a young age, then live a full life, but they still lived. Sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. David understood the forgiveness of God even before Jesus came because God offered forgiveness uh, to David. And so David becomes a, a, a person that preaches this gospel of forgiveness in the same way that the, uh, the, the writer of Romans, Paul, preaches it to us, which we in turn must be preachers of this as well to say, God forgives sin. God forgave David. David should forgive Absalom. God forgave us. We should forgive other people. One of the scariest verses in the Bible, it says Matthew 6, 15, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I don't care what it is. I don't care where it happened. We must forgive people. And again, this is a different message. And I preached it before you look it up. Not all uh, our relationship with God is reconciled through forgiveness. And, and, and sometimes with human relationships, uh, reconciliation isn't possible, but you can still forgive that person and, and you can uh, extend reconciliation, but reconciliation is a two way street. It can't be a one way street, but you have to be willing to forgive. You have to forgive. So here's the third and final point is this, and this is a, a, an exciting part of it, is that Jesus gives spiritual life and everlasting life. And, 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 and again, this is in the midst of this scripture, uh, verse 14, so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of this story is the woman of Tekoa goes to David and says, the whole entire point is life is short. So you've got to live your life with an, with an expectation of death. The other part that she says is that God devises means to bring reconciliation. So we should devise means. And then the end says that, that, that God's goal in reconciliation and our goal in reconciliation should be that none are banished from him. None are banished from him. God gets no pleasure in sending anybody to hell. 
He gets no pleasure from that. God doesn't get excited about that. God wants relationship with everyone. And that's why we go back to our original scripture that we opened up with in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is why I do not believe in any theology that says God predestines some to hell. I don't believe that at all. I believe that God devises all means to make it possible for everyone to come to salvation in him. Some people might reject it. Some people might run from it, but God is extending forgiveness to you right now in the name of Jesus. God is extending forgiveness to everybody, but it's your choice whether or not you are going to receive it or not. God does not get any uh, pleasure from people perishing. He wants all to come to to repentance. The truth is, if you've been walking with us through 2 Samuel and you read your Bibles, David should have been destroyed many times over. At this point in the story, David should have been destroyed already. But God had already showed David mercy so many times. So how could David not show mercy in this time? And here he is, again, God showing him mercy through a woman. Ha! Women used in ministry. A woman bringing the message of God to a king so that he can get his mind right. And the people want to say that God does not use women in the ministry. I don't believe that. I know you don't believe it too, honey. By the way, get on my wife's women's Bible study on Tuesday morning. It's fire. And why? Because God wants people to live for eternity with him. He loves to show mercy and give life. You find this all throughout the Old Testament. Daniel 12, 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. God promises everlasting life to those that come to him. He promises that you will not go to Sheol, that you will not go to hell, but you will go and live eternally with Jesus for everlasting life in heaven. Uh, and, and, And what does it mean to you? You've got to realize death is inevitable. Spiritual death is fixed. And that by Jesus, reconciliation is possible. And then be excited that you have a relationship with God right now and that you get to spend eternity with him. And people say, well, what what is heaven going to be like? Well, you know, the Bible speaks some about the new Jerusalem in in, uh, in Revelation. I encourage you to read it. And people say, well, why do you want to go to heaven so much? Um, and, And I'll tell you this. I like being alive. I like earth. I, I, I like the things that happen here. But heaven is described as something even greater than this. And so if it's even greater than this, that's somewhere that I want to go for eternity. Here's what I also know is that evil, nasty people are not in heaven. And so I want to live for eternity without those people. I want to live in a place where I can be with Jesus in the flesh, where I can be around the creator of joy for all eternity. I'm excited to be there. You know, I I like to use Romans 6.23 a lot. Um, It's a good little chastising verse when you say the wages of sin is death. You've probably heard that verse a hundred times in Romans 6.23. But you know, the second half of Romans 6.23 is even more powerful. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What a gift that we get to live forever with Jesus. What a gift that we get to spend eternity with him. We embrace that through Jesus Christ. We love God. We love Jesus so that we can spend eternity with him. And so you want to embrace that reality. And embracing that reality takes away the sting of death. 
Embracing that reality gives you a new lease on life to say, you know what? I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going to spend eternity. I know what I'm going to be able to do for all eternity because of Jesus. John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I want to ask you this today. Are you living in such a way that you actually believe that you're going to inherit eternal life? Do you actually live that way? Like as you're going through all this COVID stuff that's going on, like are you embracing the reality of like, I am a Christian. I'm going to live for eternity. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live afraid, which isn't to say wash your hands and distance yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can wash your hands and live in a bubble and you're still going to die. may not be by COVID, but it'll die by something else. But you can live with a sense of faith and assurance knowing of whose you are and who you are and where you're going. Have you put all your eggs into the world's basket, believing that this is the only life that you're going to get to, to believe and say, you know what? Well, if I don't experience this uh, right now, then I'm, then I'm going to have a, a, an empty life. That's a lie from the pit of hell, man. There are certain things that I'm not going to experience in this life because I'm just not, I'm just not. It's time to warm up for eternal life to everlasting life in Jesus Hopefully this time has shown you the futility of the material things of this world and that the afterworld is everything because you're not going to be able to take anything with you either. Amen. I love first John two twenty five, and this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. Friend, I, I want to leave you with the, with the opening uh, of this, of this verse and don't get off yet. Stay with us. 2 Samuel 14, 14, for we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground. That's death, which cannot be gathered up again. But yet yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means. God wants to reconcile with you so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. Right now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to embrace the reality that God is trying to reconcile himself to you right now. He's using these electronic means to draw you into relationship with him. And it's very simple. All you have to do is declare to the Lord, say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to be in relationship with you. And then you turn away from those sins and you start serving him. You stop doing those sins and you just live for him and he'll forgive you of all of the, all of your sins. And so I want you to do this right now, wherever you may be saying, you can close your eyes, you can bow your heads. If you're not a Christian this morning, I just want you to reach your hands up to the heavens and I want you to ask the Lord and say, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins, Lord? God, I want to live for you. I I don't want to commit those sins anymore. I want new life in you. I want assurance of eternal life. I want to be forgiven of my sins. God, I want to be in a relationship with you and God will come to you right now as you say those words. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. And for the rest of us that are watching this today, God, we just pray that we would fully embrace that our death is inevitable. Lord, that by ever, whatever means that it may be, Lord, that, that, that it would just be to your glory, God, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Father, we pray that as our relationship is reconciled to you, that we would have a spirit of forgiveness towards other people in this world, that we wouldn't hold on to anything, that we would just forgive everyone. And God, I pray that we would live with the reality of knowing that we have eternal life with you. Father, we ask these things today in Jesus' name. Hey, I want to thank you so much for uh, watching this live stream today. I want to encourage you if you're in the area for, I'd say probably for the next hour at least. We'll be here until 1230. Come down, get a loaf of bread, get a roll of toilet paper. 
Um, uh, I want to encourage you as well. Like if you're a member of faith and victory, would you please reach out to people this week, send them a text, send them a message, call, call them on the phone, man. Just check on people and see how they're doing. Uh, the pastors and the deacons and doing everything that they can, but we as a church, uh, we need to, uh, reach out to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. If, if you're watching for the first time today, send us a message on Facebook and let us know that you're watching. Make sure to like, subscribe, share, and, uh, treat people well. Come to everything this week online. We love you so much. Thanks for watching. We'll see you later this week. Bye. Thank you for watching the Faith and Victory live stream. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check us out online at faithandvictory.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like to financially support Faith and Victory Church's ministry, please text FAVC to 77977. God bless you and keep you. From the FVC Live Team.